Phil is going to be doing the majority of the talking. Oh God, pressure's <laughs> on. Pressure well, on. we're all going to be we're all going to be doing our share. But uh, anyway, guys, welcome to the Hawk. Um, Thanks for inviting me. For those of you guys who are just joining us for the first time, we all know each other like in person. We've all ridden together. We've all uh, collaborated in videos. And I'll leave links to some of those in the description. But uh, Phil is actually a professional downhill racer. So he's the only one out of the, the four of us who actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> like, or, or there's actually proof that he knows what he's doing. That's one way to put it. For anybody who's just joining us and doesn't know who you are, just tell them what you do. Oh man, that that that's a long story, but basically, I um, I am was a professional downhill mountain bike racer and um, kind of started a YouTube channel on the side. Originally, it was just to post videos of me riding to help promote myself, but you know, after I really like dug into like YouTube, I noticed that there's a huge lack of like skills videos. So, you know, I started creating skills videos to help people out, and then. Um, Seth like popped up around the same time and you know I think we both saw that there's a huge opportunity to help uh, riders develop better skills so on that topic since you started the YouTube channel what are you up to now you're probably close to like 60,000 subscribers yeah I'm actually um, 59,000 like 300 right around there so I think sometime next week I'll hit, hit 60,000 so that's a lot like especially in like the mountain bike world that's like crazy crazy numbers so in what way are you more well-known, your YouTube channel or your downhill career? YouTube by far. I, I always wanted to be uh, known for downhill uh, racing. In 2011, I finished fifth in the national championships. Um, I won a few collegiate national championships, um, competed in World Cups. But, you know, that doesn't get you well-known because unless you're Aaron Gwynn and you're the top racer in the world, no one really knows who you are. I think it's the same for BMX. Aaron um, who? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know who Aaron Gwynn is. Dave Mira, right? Like there's like two people that da I kind of Dave Mira, Matt Hoffman. Of. You have to be at the very, yeah. very top, yes. top, 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 That's top it. for anybody yeah. to hear about you. Yeah. But even a casual mountain biker would know who Phil Metz is because his videos pop up everywhere. When you were just a professional downhiller, and you're actually doing really well in the competitions. Did anybody like recognize you out on the trails? Um, people would recognize me at like Highland Mountain Bike Park, um, which is only like an hour and a half from my house, so it's pretty local. So people would recognize me there, but even there, uh, the general public like wouldn't know who I was. But now when I go to uh, Highland, I can definitely like, you know, see people kind of like pointing, like, like hushing, like. So I can definitely tell who's more like. Um, I don't know, buzz when I go to Highland now. Right, especially... Shave, shave that mustache and no one will recognize you. <laughs> I mean, are people recognizing you, though, because of your YouTube channel or because you're sending backflips on hardtails? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that I'm helps. I'm curious. More for the Huffy video, which surprisingly doesn't even have, like, my face in it. That's like, true. I, I went... back of your head an awful lot. Yeah, when I went to... Uh... Not, not raise uh, the other um, the wheel mill. Even some BMXers like who I had no idea who they were, and like you know I didn't even know if they watched like mountain bike videos. They knew who exactly who I was, which was like that was kind of a shock to me. I was like, oh, cool. So before you got into downhill, you were a BMXer. Yeah, but I kind of grew up in uh, California for a bit, so I wasn't too far from Huntington Beach. Well, I was in Huntington Beach, but not too far from like legendary dirt jump places like Sheep Hills. 
yeah. uh, where uh, Todd Lines, Brian Foster, a lot of big names have uh, come out of. And then once I started racing, you know, that was my primary focus. But I always did like dirt jumps and park on the side. Then I moved around a lot and then ended up in New Hampshire. And that's when I finally kind of decided, well, there's no dirt jumps or skate parks around here. You need to kind of switch, uh, switch paths. And at that time, uh, mountain biking was like the least cool thing you could do. Right. So, I don't know. BMX has a very weird vibe to it. Like definitely. Um, no gloves, no helmet, no special yeah. technical fabric. Just go out and do it. Yeah, and everything that's not BMX isn't cool. And so, right. you know why mountain biking was, wasn't cool? It's because you had to wear a helmet. And, and well, to BMXers, if you're wearing a helmet, you ain't cool. I, I went through like a week period where I tried not to wear a helmet. I was just like, what am I doing? I always wore a helmet mountain biking, except for when I was really young and I didn't know that people like wore helmets, except for mm-hmm. roadies. When I really start like just messing around, like doing 180s and bunny hops and stuff, like just riding around town, I never wore a helmet. And I started doing it when I did the channel because people would get so bent yeah. out of shape that I wasn't wearing a helmet. And that's why I started doing it. Nothing yeah. about self-preservation at it, all. No, it, it does protect your head. I mean, looking back, it's a really good idea to wear a helmet. But I see what you're saying. It's like you're at a BMX park. Nobody's wearing a helmet. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll just try it for a week. Yeah. Survey of everyone here. How many people have cracked a helmet? And I've how many? every helmet ever owned. We've all seen how many? crack. <laughs> I've cracked pieces, but I haven't like fully on like fully cracked a helmet. No way! I, I haven't I have yet. A hard time believing that. But like you inspect the helmet, and you see cracks in, in the, the foam. foam, like on the inside. Yeah, like nothing like that bad. What? <laughs> Feels good at falling. What about that? What about that <laughs> Urban DH crash you had, dude? So the one in the race video was not bad at all. Cause Did you just like slid outside? He also probably had a multiple impact helmet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a full yeah. face, like serious Troy Lee helmet or something. IXS. Um, sorry, I have to plug my sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> my crash in practice for that urban race was that was a bad crash. Actually, nine seconds into wearing that helmet for the first time, <laughs> I went over the bars and just like sm- like smashed my head on the ground. It was bad. Uh, and that's so. like stone. Uh, it was concrete, well, uh, asphalt, so yeah. Yeah, the entire course is concrete. It's like some mountain bike trails are rocky, but like there's a little bit of dirt. So those urban courses, how many of those have you ridden, or was that the only one? Or That's the only one. I was uh, invited by a friend who knew the event organizer, and so that worked out well. That was kind of like the beginning of when I started to get out of uh, downhill. Last year, I didn't really have a great season, and it might be partially due to that crash. I just wasn't pushing myself as much let's go back to bmx for a second at what age did you start doing bmx competitively five five so you're yeah. bmx racing like helmet bigger than your head like mm-hmm. the little lollipop kit like their heads look like lollipops and they're just so if i would feel, uh, yes i don't we know would you guys love to see the, the, this was <laughs> yes. me nice. when i was like seven years Killing old it. and that's actually a pk ripper or mini ripper. Do you have the fork disconnected from the? Uh, I broke the head tube. Oh. Okay, because the seat is so far back, it's like, what the hell is going on in that picture? But yeah, it's all. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't break helmets. I break tubes. <laughs> At what kind of accomplishment? Like, what were you just locally racing or? Um, I I went to Worlds in two thousand. No, in nineteen ninety nine, I finished uh, eighth in the World Championships. Wow. 
I lived in France for a while because my dad's job. We moved all over the place. Um, and when I was racing there, I actually raced with some rider named uh, Joris Dodé, or uh, Joris Dodé, if you Americanize the name. And he is one of the best racers in the world currently, you know, sponsored by Red Bull and whatnot. We'd go back and forth between who would win and whatnot. Wow. At some point, did you get out of BMX or did you fall off or you just didn't have time to do it or... Um, when I was racing BMX in the States, I lived in Connecticut and there's like four really good tracks in that area. But in New Hampshire, there was like two um, and they were both kind of run down. So I kind of switched gears, started doing more park. I went to um, Camp Woodward for a few summers, but I wasn't racing at all. Hey, when did you go to Camp Woodward? What year? 2003 and 2004. Oh, that was like a couple, that was like three or four years after me, which makes sense because you're like three, four years younger than me. That was a year that like, like girl pants, like literally bell-bottom girl pants were all the rage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do remember that. Around the time when, uh, what were the, Jinkos. When Jinkos were were like just coming out of style and... (laughs) Yeah, like that that was a year like, or... The period where it went from like super baggy to like super super tight. Yeah, the shiny suit era, <laughs> which <laughs> coincided with bikes becoming more popular because Lord knows those jeans were not good for riding bikes. <laughs> I definitely had a few pairs of Jinkos. So when you were at Woodward, Woodward doesn't really do BMX racing; it's more freestyle. So that is that where you started to pick up some more of your tricks. Oh. I guess because I've always been around skate parks and stuff, I've always been into uh, tricks. I've, you know, I don't like taking my hands off the bar, so I've never been able to do like uh, bar spins and, you know, tail whip type things. But I think a lot of it stems back to dirt jumping. I like to feel flow, like constantly, like, you know, uh, compressing and un- unweighting and that feeling. Yeah, exactly. And so. You can see a lot of that in the way I ride. When I go to a skate park, the first thing I'm looking for is, like, what transfer can I do? Right. Not necessarily, like, oh, can I tail whip this, or which I can't do. Um, Gaps and transfers. When I was at Woodward, a lot of people would, like, kind of, like, you know, write me off. But then all of a sudden, I'd do, like, this huge transfer. It's like, where did that come from? Did you enter the height contest when you were there? I did. How did you do? 11 feet. 11 feet? 11 feet. That's what I did, I think. I'm trying to think what... what. It, it, so, 12 feet was the max. Right. I didn't get to 12 feet. I tried 12 feet and failed massively. Uh, <laughs> the, fir- the first time I tried, I did 10. And then the next year, I did uh, 11. Is this on a bowl or a half? No, this is on a, a ramp. It's like a resi ramp. So, it's a box jump. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So they put this bar, they keep raising this bar higher and higher, and then your wheel hits, and I think they give you, like, one more shot or something. Yeah, you have two shots. You have two shots, and then you keep going until somebody makes it over the higher one. And I don't know, some kid, they named him Long Island, and he <laughs> he made it, like, 12 feet, and we were like, bah! But, uh, yeah, I didn't get But I got a terrible one shirt when I won. What did you win? I can't remember. I, like I was the king of product tosses at at that place. I came back with so much free gear; it was awesome, which was cool because like I I would never go out and buy like uh you know a product shirt or anything. What so about- I'm trying to imagine Camp Woodward right now, 
and it just sounds like a fucking disaster with a bunch of what 15 year old kids that are just like adrenaline junkie psychopaths that have no regard for anything like a bunch of dudes right and like you're a hundred percent one up each other and like breaking stuff and like i'm the biggest badass here (laughs) and there's girls too i mean i'm sure now the girls ride like bmx and skate and everything like that but back then the girls just did gymnastics yeah so there was a whole gymnastics Uh, section and they just stayed as far the hell away from us as possible (laughs) but yeah you pretty much summarized it i mean people playing jokes on each other in the bunks like you get in your like bed and there's like freaking your whole bed's covered in shampoo and then you get the other guy back like you know (laughs) drop a deuce in his bed or whatever (laughs) 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 camp woodward looking back was so like at the time it was like the funnest thing ever now looking back at it it's exactly what brian said it it's so weird insurance like i I don't think i took a shower until like my fifth day there like (laughs) dude i still dream about the food it was like all you can eat buffet every single day and looking back it was probably like lunch food quality but (laughs) (laughs) all you can eat cereal though all (laughs) all you can eat cereal uh, did you uh, hit the dirt? You probably hit the dirt jumps when you you were there, right? Oh yeah. I didn't but even those think always, about those dirt jumps. They were always kind of run down. Like they went through a different, a uh, bunch of different phases. And you know, when I was there, like I was the first, at least the week I was there, I was the first one to kind of step up to the plate and start hitting them. And then once I started doing them, like a bunch of people came and sessioned them with me. But they were huge. I just remember. I mean, I don't know what they would look like to me now, but I remember looking at them back then. And being like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to jump that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'd really like to go back there and like see how I would compare like me now to me then. I can't ride a BMX bike anymore. I get on those bikes and they just feel too twitchy. Do you get comments from people asking you to ride BMX or do BMX stuff? Oh, yeah. And I, I've thought about it. I kind of want to get back to it too, but every time I get on the BMX, I'm off the bike for three, four weeks. Because like you said, it's so twitchy. I, I like it be- yeah <laughs> I, I like it because you can throw the bike around and the thing the whole thing's made out of like steel essentially so you're not gonna break anything unless you do something really really stupid you can bail yeah and when I, you bail I, on a mountain bike it's like half the time you break something yeah half the time you crash on a mountain bike well you just did a hundred dollars worth of damage yeah and you're off the bike for another two weeks until that part comes in well, I want to know, okay, so I saw this clip, um, and it was a while ago, dude. I think it was the first time I ever saw a video of yours on YouTube. I did a little research, and what I came across was a Mountain Bike Mania video um, of you at some race, and the commentator's commentary of you as you were just <laughs> charging this downhill was that you have a reputation for going hard and just choosing like the gnarliest lines possible. Whoa. Wow. Getting rowdy already. We were talking about First that in turn. the junior round, almost blowing off track, and that we saw it just happen right there. Almost bite Phil right at the beginning yeah. of the run. How did? How do you think that came to be? Um. I, well, again, I think that comes back to my uh, dirt jump days where I just like to jump over things. So a lot of my solutions to problems was to just jump over the problem. Like so you were just that was my. Everything. Yeah, and actually, last year's national championship, I got the biggest compliment of 
my life. And at, at that point, like I could have retired and like not raced my bike and been fine. So I was at the national championships and there's like this super, super sketchy rock garden and they called it the Widowmaker. And <laughs> That's always like, bad. Yeah. It was out of a blind left-hand turn. You compressed and then you essentially had like a double drop with some super, super, super sketchy rocks. But I noticed that if you compressed enough, you could potentially gap like 30 feet out and like catch this little transition. I think everyone had looked at it, but no one, like no one had seriously like decided, okay, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then like after I just had too many issues with the other line, I was like, you know what? I'm going to bite the ball. I'm going to try it. And so sure enough, I did it. And it was right in front of Aaron Gwynn. No way. He was like, dude, that was the bossest thing I've ever seen. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. So, That's like, amazing. At, That's sick. So at that point, like, I was like, all right, I don't care what happens from here. I made it. <laughs> that is awesome. So after you did it, it was like fair game. It's like, oh, all right, somebody did it. Yeah. That means it's Checks safe. out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, but the thing that kind of annoyed me about it was – Someone then moved one of the big rocks that made that section so sketchy and made that whole section way easier. Like, so then you don't get rewarded as much by going balls out. Without kidding, that was a two-second like time advantage, which is huge. Two wow. seconds? Yeah. Because Or else you're going eh, through the rock garden or you're going boof. Yeah. For the record, like I think that race I got – 10th but that's because i ended up crashing and flatting lower down on the course and that was at national championships and you still got 10th after a crash and flat so how much competitive downhill are you doing now um this year i think i'm gonna just keep it to collegiate racing i can probably guess the reason for that but what's the reason for that i would like to focus on youtube a little bit more um honestly i've for the longest time, like you keep investing a lot of money into downhill and hoping you get somewhere. And I love it. I love the culture behind it. But at the same time, it's like even if you're like the top 40 in the world, you're making a minimal paycheck. Like You're putting you in more have, than you're getting back. If you're eight, like 80th to 40th, you're putting in more than you're getting back. But if you're like up there, you're finally starting to break even, make some money. And it's not until you get to like the top 10 in the world that you're really starting to make you know, some money. And fortunately, I am going to be graduating pretty soon in another year. Unfortunately, that means like, you know, college loans I need to pay off and all that kind of stuff. It's the kind of like sad reality is like you have to like shift gears and start thinking about regular life. But the thing is, I don't want to stop riding. I love it too much. So now you can sort of have your cake and eat it too. I mean, you can be good at riding, you can continue to progress, you can be known for it, and you can do all the things you're good at and Help others do it. eventually make enough back where it's worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I think it's more rewarding to help others than just help myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know the feeling. And it's like pe people start depending on you. That's like the coolest feeling ever. I... If you asked me, you know, five years ago where I'd be, the last thing I, I would say is making YouTube tutorials because I think at that point I didn't know how to edit. I didn't have a camera. So it all kind of like came together pretty quickly. So March is coming up and <laughs> we're all going to go to the Fat Tire Festival, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Brian, are oh, you yeah. going to be able to make it down? We'll show, oh, you no! we'll show you an alligator. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
<laughs> I've never seen an alligator. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe going to Australia. So I wouldn't uh, hold it against you if you went to Australia. Well, well, hold so on. You'll see crocs there. I mean, the climate there is pretty similar. We can kind of get creative with the edit, like you know, have a <laughs> have a crocodile in the background. No one will tell the difference. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Oh, no, there's always that commenter that's like, that's not an alligator. He's got a narrower snout. (laughs) (laughs) It's a caiman. You know what I kind of want to do when I'm there? And you can't hold me to it, but I want to hit that big double after the D2. Or is it the D3? Mm -hmm. That'd be cool if you could coach me through that double. Yeah, sure. The weird thing about it is for the size of the jump, the landing transition is really small. Yeah, that's kind of scary. And, like, if you, like mess up you're going straight to that like hard limestone talk to fly yeah we should probably try and do some of the bigger drops there too next time i i would like to hit, try to hit that one drop that's never open that, that they open thing. just for that w- yeah the one with the chain across yeah. the top <laughs> where you have to unchain it to do yeah. it yeah they're all named like there's the d1 the d2 the, i guess that's like what the d5 or something like that probably 28 foot step down or something I mean, I always measure a drop in like the height, and I got, I think they said it's around like 15 to 17. I mean, it's like whether you're measuring the hypotenuse, that's a word I haven't used in a while, <laughs> or, you know, the drop. I usually just measure the drop. Yeah. Why would anybody want to measure the hypotenuse? Why wouldn't you just measure it by how far you're dropping? To me, that's the drop. Oh, well, technically, that's the distance you're traveling. That's the distance you're traveling, but it's not the distance you're dropping. But it's the distance you're going. It is the distance you're going, but it's like... And you're going uh, but, downwards. Uh, but so that would be like on a double drop. measuring the, the trajectory. Yeah, like my, my <laughs> counter-argument to that is like, it, yeah. if you have like one of those like... If you have a curb and you jump like, you know, 30 feet past the curb, did you just do a 30-foot drop? <laughs> right, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you have like a mat, if you have a drop off in a massive transition where there's only like a foot difference from the lip of the drop and then your transition, but the transition is thirty feet high, did you do a thirty foot drop? <laughs> I will, I will consider hitting that one for you guys. <laughs> Perfect. You found, you found a, a, a nice example of a special triangle, forty five, forty five. Like, I actually don't know what the biggest drop I've ever done is. I think the biggest drop I can think of might be the one uh, that I did on the hardtail at uh, yeah, Highland. Yeah, the pink bike one? Yeah. Really? How big is that? I was going to ask. I, I actually don't know. I've, I've heard numbers, like, thrown around. To me, like, if I had to guess, it's probably around 14 or 15 feet tall. It's... But then again, like your memory always like over exaggerates things. So at Santos, the Fat Tire Festival, um, what do you think we should do there to keep things interesting for like some collaboration videos? It's gonna be me, you, and Alex, unless you know Brian decides to stay home from Australia. Yeah, maybe my uh, my passport won't clear and I'll be I'll be home. What about a six pack race? You have a, a race for a six pack of beer. Drinking, riding. You could even yeah, have like I, a six or six pack, like a relay race with six people. I I I like my beer, but like I try to keep that kind of stuff out of my channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of keep that out of the channel. I mean, I guess if I was at dinner drinking a beer, I wouldn't like edit it out or anything. 
I think drinking beer at the trails is probably where I would draw the line. That's probably not something I would put on my channel because... Well, technically, isn't that a DUI if you're drinking and riding? I don't think so. I mean, like, I see, like, everywhere I've ever seen people building trails, trail builders, are always drinking beer while they're building trails. And... Do whatever you want. If you're drink, if you're building trails, you could like be shooting up heroin or whatever makes you happy, so that you can continue to build trails. Because I'm I'm not out there you're getting bit by mosquitoes and digging. Yeah, you're a saint if you're if you're building trails. Your videos were pretty clean from the start, I would say. Very like squeaky clean. Yeah, very clean, which is good because people do watch these videos with their kids, and also there are a lot of sites that will hesitate to share the video. If it's too edgy and if you want to grow a channel sometimes you do have to you know but actually in real life you're actually pretty clean i i've over the years i've been kind of conscious of how i present myself i definitely swear like a pirate sometimes well i've seen i think i've seen you like fall or catch a pedal or something and but that's well, i mean do that yeah when that happens anything's fair game yeah <laughs> your youtube channel used to be Phil Metz, and now it's Skills with Phil because everybody knew you as Skills with Phil because that's where you're titling the videos. So what's the future of Skills with Phil? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think, I mean, I think this is kind of going for all of us. Maybe not Brian. Brian has seemed to found a, like a good, clear, like defining path. Brian's infallible. <laughs> never runs out of battery. Never it has equipment failure. So... I, that that's a good question. So I'm trying to like keep up, uh, people entertained, but also keep people educated about certain things. You know, I just got that gimbal, like dorking around with it, trying to figure out like how I want to incorporate that into my channel. And at the same time, I don't want to copy what Brian's doing, and I don't want to copy what you're doing or Alex is doing. Like I, I I'm trying to figure out like how to do it in my own voice. And right. actually, that's what all of us should be doing. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. No hate, no hate intended, but there's so many copycat channels of like, oh, the fast thing at the beginning, then the big logo, and then here we go. It's like, yeah, I stopped doing that. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm evolving. Keep moving forward. Keep doing it. <laughs> I think I have a few ways where I could kind of incorporate that into my channel without like butting like heads, like d doing my own, doing it my own way. Yeah, have you seen any other like skill channels? I know you guys are like on YouTube and seeing suggested videos, like people that are doing sort of what's what Phil and I do. Sam Pilgrim, he's starting to yeah. branch out and do it. Yep. You know, I gotta um, watch his videos more. And he does a whole bunch of different stuff too, which I enjoy. He does, yeah, yeah he'll play games very entertaining. Bike, and he'll do some of the skill stuff, and then he'll just do some ride videos or some shreddits. And obviously, it's Sam Pilgrim, so he just rips. There's definitely a few people doing it, and then like I see a bunch of like, I don't know, like Sam's bike hacks and people who are <laughs> <laughs> JBXC. I haven't seen any like uh, skills with Bill or skills with Will yet. <laughs> Here, I just got a push notification. Braille skateboarding just uploaded a video attempting to skate a foam pool toy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, <laughs> they, they've gone off the deep end. <laughs> I watched was them skating a like 60-inch LCD TV. Hey, man, they've got, they've got the uh, daily uploads on lockdown. 
Yeah. They really do. But uh, anyway, Phil, I think we went like way, way, way to the far ends of like different tangents. We went from downhill career to BMX to um, uh, band camp. Yeah, to Woodward, to like people wilding out at Woodward. Yeah, we, we had a good time today. But we still haven't figured out what we're doing at Santos. We still say, haven't figured out what we're doing yeah. at Santos, though. I mean, I was just throwing out ideas, you know, looking looking for anything. I um, like the idea of involving, uh, involving, like, making it a group activity. Well, you know what? Clint Gibbs is going to be there, and he probably has more endurance than all of us combined. So what I'm thinking is maybe we could do, like, a long-distance race, like an hour, like a crit. Like a loop around one of the courses, right? But it, we get no, no, no. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. But it's us three against him. We're gonna be able to go hard the whole time and then tag the other person in, and it's just him racing and see how it goes. I think that would be kind of funny. I love it. I love it. We should definitely do some competition of some sort. We should. Hey, you know what else I want to do? Um, so the video that I just posted, I was doing a bunch of shots with this like big stabilizer and made him look kind of cinematic and people were like do more of that do more of that and i was thinking of doing a series called one minute pinnets where you just get one minute of somebody just pinning it just go and get a whole bunch of shots and edit them going around a trail so we'll do one with phil And we'll go to like the roughest section there or some of the jumps and just get tons of planned shots and do a one minute pin it and then I can keep doing one minute pinnets with different people. Dude, that'd be awesome. And we know where the final scene is 28 foot drop. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love about Seth's bike hacks because every day or every time it comes out, it's a whole, it's a surprise. Like you kind of know what I'm doing. Like I'll post on Instagram, hey, I was here. Hey, I'm there. I'm on a trip. I my stuff is always kind of like, hey, you kind of know what you're gonna get. The entire concept of uh, Seth's videos is different every time. It's like could be a thousand blinky lights, it could be freak <laughs> bikes. Like that is, I think that's something so special that it's I, like, oh, I'm what's he gonna the do variety next? Variety channel, and to some yes. degree, so is Phil. Phil doesn't. Phil uh, doesn't stick to one format. You definitely stick to a format. Like your videos are consistent, which is a good thing because people know, people who subscribe to you, they know what to expect every time they click it. I think there's definitely people who click my videos and they're like, what the hell is this? Blinky lights. Like I want to, you know? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm pretty excited to get back on the bike because I want to go learn how to foot plant. Mm. Now that you've taught me the secret, Phil can help you with that. I don't know why I didn't realize you actually had to hop up off of the, like you had to bunny hop then and then slap your foot down. I don't know why I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's it takes a while to get, but make sure you have like a good transition. Like if you have a a lip that's dead that doesn't throw you into the air, it will make it so much harder. The harder you have to work to get the bike in the air, the harder it's going to be. Yeah, like actually, like a quarter pipe scary is one of the easiest places to do it okay because it just sends your bike right up into air like right. you're just kind of guiding it yeah well anyway thanks for joining us today phil well thank you it's been awesome yeah and uh so the reason why we one thing we have not addressed <laughs> is that alex is in my office and not in his office um and that's because we're leaving tomorrow for a bike packing trip to key west 
and I'm not going to give too many details. Believe me, we're going to give you the whole story, but we haven't had lunch, so we're going to get the fuck out of here. We'll see you guys (laughs) next time.